0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host and here at Redbeard Outdoors. I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. All of those four things are key in my life as I strive to become a better version of myself for me, those around me, my family, and a better provider, a better husband, better father. And in that journey, I want to share with you The conversations that I get to have, those are going to be conversations like today being Saturday. And then Tuesday, I do Tinkering Tuesdays where you will find gear reviews, mindset, things along those lines that have helped me. Again, I'm nowhere near perfect, so don't think that I'm trying to come off that way. I am learning and I'm on a journey and I'm just sharing that with you. And I'm sparking conversations that you can have with me, shoot me an email, send me a message, or just enjoy the conversations and the the information that I'm putting out there as I'm striving to get better myself. With that being said, guys, today I have an outstanding guest for you. His name is Bill Thompson. And Bill is one of those guys that you wouldn't know is a genius, but he's a really smart individual, comes off very humble, loves to listen. He's just one of those individuals, you know, people like that, that are just really smart in their craft, but they don't come off that way until you ask them a question about what they do. And then they love sharing their knowledge. Again, not coming off as someone who is super uh, snarky or, you know, in that, I guess, cocky in a way. Bill is one of those guys that just loves sharing his knowledge, wants everyone to be a better version of themselves and to enjoy the product that he's putting out there, which is, in this case, Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is an awesome mapping program that you will use For your elk hunts, for your whitetail hunts, there's LIDAR, which no other mapping system uses. And there's many other features that we'll go over in today's conversation that you will definitely want to check out, guys. So, tune into that. Before we get into the conversation here, though, I do want to give a shout-out to it being Black Friday weekend. First off... We had thanksgiving this week so hopefully you had an amazing thanksgiving happy thanksgiving i know it's late so happy belated thanksgiving hopefully you're making memories with your family your friends your loved ones you're getting outside as much as possible getting after it and then of course if you're in the market for gear maybe you're buying christmas gifts maybe you're stocking up for next year or maybe you have a late season hunt that you're wanting to get some new gear items for either way i want to make sure you get the best deals possible so always check out the links down below guys support me in that way by supporting the companies that are partnered up with the show but also you can get the best deals possible by going down below and checking those out between black ovis we've got first form first form outdoors guys go check out those deals right now with the black friday sale going on we've got so many offerings this weekend go check it out now guys let's get into this conversation with bill thompson and spartan forge all right everybody welcome back i've got an amazing guest for you guys today his name is bill thompson and bill is just an outstanding individual he he goes into details very detail oriented in what he does loves hunting loves the outdoors but more than anything and most recently your your adventures here you are a the ceo of spartan forge if you guys haven't heard of spartan forge it is a mapping app that we're going to go into detail here and talk about uh, a lot more. But first of all, Bill, for people who don't know who you are, who are you in a nutshell?
1: Um, a disagreeable jackass. Now, um, my name is Bill Thompson. Uh, like you said, um, I, I served in the military for almost uh, a little over 21 years. Um, and uh, I did that since I was 17. So, I mean, really at my core, I'm a soldier. Um, I've been out of the military now for two years, so most of that soldier has melted away, but it's still there somewhere. Um, And I'm also a hunter, and um, for the majority of my military career, I worked in the intelligence disciplines, and for the latter part of my career, I focused on um, uh, offensive cyber operations and um, human intelligence operations and signal intelligence operations. All of those things kind of put me in this realm where – I was coming up with ideas and developing um, a kit for the military to use on deployed combat operations. And that uh, kind of made it obvious to me that there was for as a hunter and as a soldier, you're trying to solve targeting operations and that there are very, as we kind of talked about before we recorded, there are palatable, easy to understand ways to do that, but you're also trying to gain some level of efficiency at the same time. So, that's a balancing act that as the product, as a, not only as like the, the CEO, which really to me is kind of a useless term, I really view myself as the product owner, um, which to me derives the same amount of responsibility and charge as CEO does. Um, I'm really the ultimately the product owner. And um, that is that balance that I'm trying to strike while presenting, uh, you know, a lot more data and capability than other uh, mapping apps out there present, and, and in that same um, that lexicon, I I try to I'm trying to we are we've started especially we started as a mapping application, but as we evolve, I see us more as a planning application. And what I mean by that is there's stuff in the application like historical weather data, there's for natural forage and 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 um, fruit bearing tree data, and it talks you know buck to doe ratios. And what do those things mean? And there's an artificial intelligence that does movement prediction. And there's um, a a team organization tool called Blue Force Tracker that allows you to auto share pins with your buddies. There's a LIDAR layer that uses, you know, very highly calibrated sensors on board aircrafts to do foliage penetrating, um, ground mapping. Um, So there's historical mapping. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, mapping to me is commodity. In other words, it's it's like oil. It's everywhere and lots of people can sell it and it's not something that you know, people try to make oil unique by saying we've got some additives that make our oil better. But at the end of the day it's oil and it's a commodity. And so mapping has become commodity. In other words, you could start a mapping application this weekend and using something like a product like Mapbox you could be dropping pins on a map in a week. Now it would be very um, limited. But uh, yeah, so I'm, tr- I'm sh- trying to shift that, that paradigm or that optic about that concerning our application to that planning and hunting and post-planning and hunting execution, post-execution. And again, I'm kind of lifting that from the military, but the military kind of had this ethos that is dr- drives the targeting process called find, fix, finish, exploit, analyze, and disseminate, which basically meant find the uh, enemy, fix on the enemy, finish the enemy, exploit the materials and intelligence that's left behind, analyze them, and then make sense of them and disseminate them. So I'm trying to do the same thing for the hunter. Find the animal, target the animal, kill the animal, and you've removed that animal. Now go check out his... Like a lot of hunters don't do this, and I encourage hunters to do it. If you kill a buck, go into where you think he was betting. Go in and really... Drop pins because there's going to be another buck that will take that area over the next year. So while you know there's not a buck living there, like get, or as long as you know there, you think there isn't, go in there and, and aggressively scout and get your rub lines and your bedding areas and and where was this guy hanging out during the daylight hours? Um, find all of that stuff out because it's going to make you a better hunter. So and then and then the dissemination piece of that is kind of where a hunter would differ from the military because a lot of that stuff you want to hold on to. But if you're hunting with your kids, you're hunting with your father, your father-in-law, your friends, your wife, or whatever, you know, a tool like Blue Force Tracker allows you to disseminate that information and distribute it along a group of people so that the friction for other people to learn what you're doing doesn't involve you texting you know, a thousand pins through <laughs> a text messaging <laughs> protocol. Yeah. You're using an application that is readily sharing it for, with you and the people that you want it shared with. In a fashion that makes it easy and then we're you know we're going to up the ante and there'll be chat associated with the blue force geometry and there'll be auto location sharing so it's a way to buy down risk disseminate information but also kind of make the entire experience easier so the guy who does all of that or not does it the person who's identifying those product requirements and trying to wrap that all in is who i am today so that kind of finishes your question of who I am and I apologize. I don't have any short answers for anything um, (laughs) because I really care about making sure that people understand exactly what I'm doing and where I'm coming Mm -hmm. from. Um, And and I think it's important um, to not just flippantly say, you know, I'm the owner of Spartan forge, like, but anyway, no, I
0: agree. Uh, And that's, that's something too, that that's really key uh, for people to understand that there's a lot of these features that are, uh, put into this app, and again, we were talking about this before we started recording. But I've delved into the app a little bit. But uh, a lot of people might look at it and then think, "Oh man, this is difficult." But and we'll get into this in a little bit. It's it's because we've been so trained on other applications that you don't realize really what you're holding in your hands and what capabilities there are there. So there's there's going to be future videos and there are videos right now um, that explain these things, but we'll get into that here here shortly. First off, I'm interested, you're, um, uh, you were in the military for over 20 years. Uh, what was your kind of your background? Uh, you're obviously a very technical, detail-oriented guy, uh, so I'm assuming I had to do something along those lines, uh, your career in the military.
1: Yeah, so I was an enlisted guy first, um, and I did intelligence. First, I started in electronic intelligence, which was like the study of radars. I have an engineering background. Um, I only did that job for about four years. Uh, it just it was like a very Cold War-centric job that I was looking forward to moving past because we were entering into the global war on terrorism at the time. So um, when the global war on terrorism started, I did like kind of tactical SIGINT, which, you know, electronic intelligence or or, radio, or radar analysis is more like strategic SIGINT. Think like, you know, you're looking at a whole country and trying to understand what their electronic order of battle looks like. I got down a tactical SIGINT, which was, how do I defeat enemy communications? How do I make sure that an enemy can't communicate before they're on an objective? Or while well, we're, you know, infilling an objective. So I took that step and moved to the tactical intelligence realm um the army sent sent off and i learned some languages so i did like russian and french um uh i started doing a lot of work in the special operations community and then i uh transitioned into becoming a warrant officer which is the. it's i don't know if you served or you know people who served or you know what a warrant officer is but it's kind of like a um it's the technician for line block chart military units yeah so Mm -hmm. basically what they recognized was they had enlisted guys that had the aptitude and the the expertise that they either didn't want to lose to like a government contractor or get sucked up into senior enlisted work where they would just be stuck being a leader, not stuck being a leader, but if they weren't suited to be a leader, which, you know, I'm, I'm more suited to be a technician than I am a leader of men, even though I did the leader of men thing, um, there were better ones than me. And so I want the warrant officer is that technician that they're, giving the charge of an officer and the the rank and clout of an officer, but they're making them focus on more technical things, whether that's designing systems, combat systems, um, being an advisor to a field-grade officer on, you know, the implementation of this or the training of soldiers. And and so I I moved into that job and stayed in the intelligence realm and then, uh, you know, got back into the special operations community and first did operations supporting you know combat operations whether it was you know i deployed multiple times to iraq to, Af- to afghanistan um, the philippines southern philippines a lot of people don't even know we went to war there um, as well as uh, the, in africa horn of africa northern africa um, you know tunis Mali, um, all of these places doing operations as a warrant officer and the signals intelligence human intelligence and cyber realm. And then from there for like my last four years, I was an advisor to first a colonel and then a general officer on how we man, train and equip uh, the cyber and SIGINT forces for the military. And it was kind of, you know, towards the end of my career in 2015, I retired in 2021, but towards the end of my career in 2015 when I was kind of entering into like the political strata of the military, I did one of my last deployments and it was kind of crystallized for me that there was something in the, in the hunting realm that I wanted to do on the outside based on the work I'd been doing in meaningful targeting and and analyzing enemy networks using artificial intelligence. Um, kind of for me, the next step that I wanted to pursue post military was to do that. Most guys in my position become government contractors or they go and, um, you know, continue building weapons for a private company or, um, that not only did that not appeal to me, it disgusted me. I just did not want to go that route. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, it's just a, I, I don't have anything against people that go that route. It's just, um, there's a problem with the military and the military industrial complex where, um, you know, some general officer or someone, gives general dynamics a ton of contracts while he's a general officer. And then he retires. and Now he's working for general dynamics and he makes hand over fist money for five years. And then he retires and goes off into the sunset. That cycle really disgusted me personally. Um, oh, yeah. and it's not because I'm better than anyone or anything like that. I'm just an asshole. Excuse me. I don't know if I should swear or not, but I'm just, Oh, you're good. You bleed me out. Sorry. Um, I'm just a very disagreeable person when it comes to those things. And I I generally speak my mind that has worked really well with me for some officers that I worked for and some generals that I worked for. And it worked really badly for me Hmm. in other cases. So, um, you know, that, that cycle didn't appeal to me in the least and I knew I wanted to be in the hunting community. And, uh, that was kind of the Genesis of Spartan Forge or that was the first time I started thinking realistically about it um, towards the end of my career.
0: Oh, for sure. And that's, you know, I, I grew up at, right outside of Fort Bragg and I don't think we've oh. discussed this, but, uh, I, my whole family's military. I, my grandpa retired a, a Lieutenant Colonel at Fort Bragg out of the 82nd airborne. And, um, and he, he told me, he was like, uh, you're too smart to go enlisted. So either go officer or don't get in the military. <laughs> it was yeah. like, okay. So, uh, yeah. I, I chose a different route and, uh, it, you know, I've seen everything. My dad was a Marine. I've got, you know, family in the Air Force, uh, army. So I definitely understand that lifestyle is hard on, hard on families. It's hard on, on obviously the men that leave men or women that leave, uh, their families, but it's also hard on the families that are left at home. Um, and, and so that's something that's definitely near and dear to my heart. So, uh, that, that sacrifice is definitely seen and, uh, understood on my end. And at the same time, I can see where you're coming from. If not, wanting to follow that path of going down, you know, uh, the the contractor outside of the military once you're done. Um, and I think what you've done is you've taken your skill set, and and you're definitely applying it to, uh, I guess, a realm that, that needs that skill set. And you've taken all this training that you received over these 20 plus years in the military, and you're able to turn that into something that is successful. Um, it, it aids in conservation. There's so many good things that go into what Spartan Forge is doing and what it will do in the future, um, with the vision that you have for it, that it it's outstanding. And so I can, I can see why you would want to shift and go that way. Cause I'm sure you'd make way more money going into contracting and doing all these other things that, that, you know, are, are other businesses that you could have gone into, but instead, you know, you may say you're an asshole and disagreeable, but that's fine. Speak your mind And, uh, and, and do what you want to do. And you're sharing it with other people. You're not just hoarding that knowledge, which is something else that, that a lot of people do maybe unintentionally, but, uh, you're, you're definitely sharing that with other people and applying it to something that right now there, there's a, uh, I guess a metaphorical battlefront with, you know, hunters and the anti hunters and stuck in the middle, we've got the non, the non hunters. You know, and so sharing this education, how you're going about doing it, how that that aids in conservation as well is something that can help in that uh, scenario as well. So you're doing a ton and and just getting to know you in the, in the little bit that I have. Um, you seem like a genuine person and let people call you an asshole all they want, man. It's, uh, you know, being genuine and upfront and speaking your mind is definitely the way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, you said a lot there, and you nailed it. First, I'd like to tell you that the only time someone ever tried stabbing me was in Fayetteville. Um, <laughs> so, at a pool hall.
0: Well, um, I went to uh, Southview High School. So, if you if you know where that – yeah. I, I, I yep. know. I've,
1: I've, I mean, I've heard of it. I had friends whose kids went there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I used to go there to, like, the, they have the what's called the JFK um, Special Warfare Center in school mm-hmm. um, at, at, uh, on Fort, uh, at, you know, proximal to Fort Bragg. And, um, so yeah, I've been out there a few times and, um, there are great parts of that area, by the way, like a lot of people poo poo on it just because of Vietnam as we like to call it, (laughs) but, um, like you get not far away from there and you got some pretty awesome places um, and a lot of great places for kids to be, but, um, yeah, I mean on that point and then, um, uh, the, 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 you had made a second point there that I wanted to hit on and I can't remember what it was, but it doesn't matter um you had made a bunch of great points there i think that the the yeah the key takeaway i guess is um well the other great point actually that i just thought of that you made was that is a leadership thing and, and, and i observed it in the military and that was people either hoard or distribute information as a means for um power or not for a means of power but for a means of influence and the people that hoarded the information, I knew some people who hoarded information and they were still effective leaders or they could still be good leaders. But my but my experience was the people who distributed information as much as possible and made everyone kind of understand the battlefield in that way were the ones who inspired people the most but also grew the best leaders under them. Mm-hmm. And I tried to go with that leadership view as well because my thought was, yeah – I will be, gra- like, if I'm a minor, I would always equate being a military leader as, like, being in the major league or minor leagues. Like, yeah, I'm going to promote a lot of people up, out, and they're going to go somewhere and do something better, hopefully. Like, like a minor league coach might be like, yeah, I've got a lot of guys that go to the major leagues, but I'm hoping that the people with the potential for the major leagues look at my, you know, farm club and say, well, I want to go there because that guy's moving people in the major leagues. And that was my thought in the military, especially when I was in the small teams or the special operations community. I got to recruit or, or choose the guys that I worked with. So my thought was the more people that I were, was getting promoted out of my job or out of my unit or going off to do big and great things, the more talented people I would attract. So, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there because that's kind of like, I try not to use a lot of the standard conventions, whether it's with politics or leadership, like for leadership, it's, people who want everyone around them to get better or people that want to control everyone around them is kind of the dynamic that I look at the rubric that I use to examine leadership just with politics. I don't use the Republican or Democrat rubric to examine um, political actors. I use the people who want to be left alone and people who won't leave people alone. Um, so you can be a, you know, an old school hippie liberal that wants to smoke weed in your basement every day, <laughs> but I don't care about those people. Like they don't bother me. Like go fly your freak flag. I don't care what you're doing with your time. As long as you're not trying to tell me how I need to spend my time. And there are lots of those people. Like my stepfather is one of those guys. He's like an old school hippie, retired Navy guy. Um, You know, you know, somebody would assign him a very lefty type of political um, association. If you were to examine it in the traditional distribution of politics, but he also doesn't want to, he also wants to leave everyone alone and just let them do their thing. So that to me is the most useful level of analysis. So I I just, I I commend you because I think you hit it there.
0: I appreciate that. Well, let's, uh, let's delve into the specifics here on Spartan Forge, because um, like I said, I, you know, I've, I've gone into it a little bit, but I'm not to the point where I can post my own, you know, review and and talk about it on my own. So definitely wanted you to, to uh, come in and talk about, this amazing product and app that you've put out, you've got some big names behind you as well that obviously know what they're doing. They're killers. They, they're great at what they do with hunting. Um, So the fact that they believe in it as well is another Testament to uh, this product that you have, That's coming into a market where uh, there's quite a few of these apps for, for mapping. And like you said, uh, there's, there's some people are trying to reinvent the wheel when in reality, what you're trying to do is you're just saying, look, We've got all the best technology right here. This is what you can do with it. Let me make it as simple as possible for you to be able to use all of this technology from LIDAR, which I don't know of anyone else that has that, um, to these AI, this AI tracking, which AI can scare the crap out of some people. But if you're trying to track deer, like, for example, me, I know nothing about. <laughs> whitetail hunting. And so I'm going out to Ohio kind of just my buddy's like, Hey, this is where you should sit. I'm going to sit there. I'm popping the first two does I see. And then a buck, you know, whatever's legal. That's kind of my strategy. But, uh, some people really get into the weeds on this. So I guess let's start out with, um, you know, the AI tracking of the, or the AI features that you have for, for deer. And then maybe some other highlights that you want to bring up of, uh, your Spartan four app.
1: Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot, um, You know, packed into the question that you just asked, I think, you know, I think the the first useful level of analysis is just, and I kind of said it before and I can't remember if it was when we were recording or not, but um, there's that, I don't know if you've heard the saying like soup to nuts, have you heard that expression before? So um, a lot of people don't even know what that means, but it used to be like soup was the appetizer, then you had your main course and then you had the nuts, which was usually your dessert so that's like the full meal right and and so a lot of the applications kind of focus on the mapping which might be your main course but there there's things that have to happen before the mapping and there are things that have to happen after the mapping um and i'm more interested in how do i identify all of the particulars in that targeting cycle that you would use we started on white-tailed deer now we're expanding out from there um, and we're doing more western focused mapping data and some really cool stuff from the off season that we're doing. And then some of our prediction models are going to be more Western focused, but regardless of the species, what we wanted to do or what I wanted to do and what we're subsequently doing as a company is from the moment you decide you want to start whitetail hunting to the moment you, uh, you are chopping the meat up and putting it in the freezer. How, what, can I present you in the, in the form of an application that gets you from A to Z? Um, and, and that to me in the terms of the military is a targeting cycle, um, you know, set to reset. And so in that targeting cycle, the useful officers in the military and the useful planners and useful executioners, um, the people that would go out and conduct the operations you you break targeting into its constituent elements, and then out of those constituent elements, you identify the variables that you attach to success within the domain of that target species or human. Um, and then you identify the repositories of those information, and then you try to um, bring data into your targeting cycle and make it as usable and understandable and accountable um, to... For, I first identify all of those things, but then present them to the user um, and, and kind of do and, and, and automate that cycle and account for those variables so that you can present the hunter, in this case, the hunter with an all encompassing solution. So and so as that pertains to the whitetail hunter and subsequently a mule deer hunter or an elk hunter, it's like, you know, what are the food? look? What's the food look like? Um, how many different views of the map can I get? What does it look like when I? penetrate foliage um where do i find the food at what time is the year is the food palatable for the animal what is the what is the historical wind in the area um what does the topography look like um how do i count and understand all of that stuff so like one of the ways to do that was you know we have a journaling feature and all of the super successful hunters that i know use journals um and and i'm not saying it's their success it could just be their that they have an they have a fundamental um aversion towards diligence and diligence involves journaling maybe it doesn't matter but but they write down information and i think you remember more and you can articulate things better when you actually write them out like i keep a journal um a personal journal i keep a hunting journal and so we have a journal in there so you can start and it does historical weather. So if you saw a deer a week ago and you're going through your trail camera photos or your photos on your phone, you can upload that phone into the journal. You can put the time series. It'll go grab that historical weather. Um, you can categorize the animal and it'll make a journal entry. And so that's the that's the in the military we would call that the intelligence preparation of the battlefield. Or like what are the, thi- what, are the th- what are the what are the what are the what are the information requirements that I need to account for. So that the scouting really is I'm trying to help automate and and structuralize the scouting um, discipline so that somebody who's never hunt, hunted whitetail or taken scouting seriously can pick up that journaling feature and start scouting and understand things. And then inside of that, I'll give them information like what is the buck to do rate like in, in Ohio, if you go to the Spartan Forge app and you put, and you drop your, um, you put your cursor wherever you're going in Ohio and you push that Intel tab, you're going to get the historical wind in that area. You're going to get the fu- the food that is eaten consumed naturally by the animals in that area. You're going to get things like the buck to doe ratio. You're going to get the hunter success rating last year based on a percentile of like 100 hunters, how many people are successful. You're going to get um, the season dates. You're going to get, I think I said it, but like the natural occurring food. You're going to get that, those, that historical wind information. You're going to get a, a myriad of things. Plus an artificial intelligence prediction based on collared deer data from animals in the Ohio and uh, Pennsylvania Valley and, and the surrounding area of how a machine looks at how the data or crunches the data and says how deer move in that area. You're going to get the peak, the secondary and uh, first and secondary hunting dates or I'm sorry, the um, the the peak reading dates and rutting dates. Um, you're going to know a lot of stuff before you ever step on the ground, and that's not meant to replace scouting. It's meant to optimize scouting. So Mm. when you drop that thing, like as a point of contact, when you drop your, um, when you look at that Intel tab for the area that you're going to, um, my guess is that you're looking at like a west to northwest wind, probably something like 15 to 30% of the time. So that means, you know, while you're out there, if you're out there for six days, you're guaranteed that two of those days are going to have that north to northwest wind. And now you start looking for topography and you start looking for areas that would keep deer out of that cold north, northwest wind. And now you're starting to put an action plan together of where you're going to go scout on these hillsides. If you're actually going to go do the scouting, like you said, you got a buddy showing Mm. you a stand, but still, you can still look at that stand location and drop it and then flip it into the lidar layer and then turn on some, some configurable topo lines. And then, you, and then you look at that wind and you start to get an idea of why he's been successful in that stand just by looking at all of those data points. And so all of this, right, is in the app and built out in the app and is meant for you to be there and pull apart before you ever step into the property. Hmm. Um, and then during the hunt, dropping points, the predicted weather, the predicted movement for the day, journaling what you see live while you're in the field, um, the Blue Force Tracker um, piece. If you if you and your buddy both have the Spartan Forge app, the guy whose property you're going to hunt, he can draw like a geometry around your whole that whole hunting area that you have access to or the public area. And every point that he has in there and every photo on every point that he has in there will be auto shared with you. Um, and then you're able to go and look at all of that information and again, put it together and and understand the land more comprehensively. And then in an in a, in a, uh, upcoming update when you enter that area if you have service you'll be live sharing your location and then mm-hmm. under that area you'll be able to chat about the location while you're in there and so whether you're hunting with a kid or an adult or a friend or I had friends that I hunted in Maryland with you know three or four guys that I went out with all the time and we and we would share points and scout and hunt the same public land together it really just wears the friction down but we're also doing stuff with property line owners and I can get into that later but then You know, post hoc after the hunt is done, whether you're successful or unsuccessful, you're able to look at those journals, you're able to look at your entry and your egress, you're able to observe what the actual wind was, you're able to kind of pick apart the wind in in that post hoc fashion, and then understand, you know, did I choose the wrong day, did I choose the wrong wind, was I winded while I was on the stand and what contributed to that. Um, And then reformulate your plan of action before you go back in there. And and again, I keep forgetting whether this is something I said to you before or after, but I think something that a lot of hunters miss is...
0: This show is brought to you by PSE Archery. Guys, I'm telling you, these bows are outstanding. Go check them out at your local dealer, PSE Archery. We've also got First Form and First Form Outdoors. Guys, amazing supplementation, but more than that, the education behind it so that you can achieve your goals. Definitely check out First Form Outdoors, link down below to get free shipping over $75. Montana Knife Company, knives that are made by hunters for hunters. Guys, they're workhorses, I'm telling you. Montana Knife Company knives, definitely go check them out. Black Ovis, use code Redbeard10. You guys will save some money on already amazing prices over there at Black Ovis. They have some outstanding gear, whether it's their brand or some of the brands that they carry, definitely go check them out. Go grab your new pair of crispies over there as well. Initial Ascent, best backpacks on the market. All in digiscoping. Guys, there's a bino adapter now as well as the spotting adapter. Highly recommend it. Quick acquisition, simple, and it's high quality. Definitely go check them out. A3 Archery Bowstrings, Strings, Kestrel Glassing Systems, Dark Energy, go Ruck Guys, if you want to up your game with your training, definitely go check out GORUCK. Use code REDBEARD10 over there save some money. Sheepfeet Custom Orthotics, Mimetic, Canvas Cutter, Affect, Beard Oil, Joy Bees, The Bow Hitch, Alpin Fuel, Heather's Choice, and the Crazy Elk company. Guys, all of those companies that I've partnered up with, I use the gear and I want you to be able to get the best price as possible. Check out any links down below and any codes that will save you some money are always in the show notes. So go check them out, guys. Support the channel, support the partners. Thank you so much for your support. And now let's get back to the conversation. Once
1: they are successful um, there's two things I think a lot of guys and I certainly I didn't do it, especially when I was young, is they didn't look at the factors that contributed to them being successful, and then document them so that they make sure that they repeat those things. Um, but then secondly, to that, someone will kill a buck in an area where he might have ruled the roost. Um, and they won't go scout those areas or get really aggressive in those areas right afterwards. And um, or even look how the buck left the area and just try to understand, like, where was he going? What was he doing after he was shot? Um, you know, what what scrapes and rubs did I see while I was in these areas that I generally left off of? If you leave off of them, some guys hunt beds. So, like, obviously they might have that intel. But if you're not hunting in the bedroom or you don't have the, the field craft or the, or the prior knowledge, the a priori knowledge before you go in there to do that, well, then that's the time to do it and go drop as many points as you can and understand. And, and in that military, we call that sensitive site exploitation, but the, the thought is the same is, right, the operation's over, bad guys are dead. What magazines were in there? What were the mailing addresses of where things were coming from? What computers were in there? What was on the computers? Um, what kind of vehicle did they have? What kind of telemetry data can I pull from the vehicle? Um, you know, what can I what can I do to make this better for next time? It looks like I'm getting zoomed out here. I don't know what's going on. Here.
0: Well, yeah, um, but no, that that's that's so much information that can be really useful for people, uh, especially like I said, like me, um, that I don't really know a lot. I do know how to read terrain features and things like that, coming from the west, going east, uh, but I don't really understand whitetail that much. So it's cool, and I, I love what you're saying. You're you're talking about blueprinting your process, basically. And, uh, I know Joel Turner talks about this with a shot, shot IQ. Um, and it's something that, that I know works because I've used it and, uh, and, and getting a successful shot to be repeatable and then blueprinting what that is for you. And the the funny thing is a lot of people get upset because they're like, oh, well, Joe Turner's way isn't the right way, or this way is not the right way. And, And I'm like, well, okay, but once you find something that's repeatable for you, that's your right way. There's so many ways to shoot a bow, so many different releases, so many ways to shoot a rifle, so many ways to shoot in, you know, whatever weapon it is that you choose. Uh, And in this case, mapping and and finding success is the same thing. If you want to be consistently good, then blueprint what your process is. And like you said, those that are successful uh, consistently, seem to have a journal of some sort, whether it's a mental journal or like they know what works and and they follow that and they they get it every time. And that's something that that is definitely key um, in in hunting specifically. Uh, But any any of the tools that you choose to use, you know, you want the same kind of arrow. People, you know, are so hyper focused on getting the arrow cut the exact same length, the same amount of glue, the same broadhead, like all of these things, they blueprint their arrow but they don't think about blueprinting the shot process, blueprinting their, you know, uh, scouting process, et cetera. And that's something that, that you've, you've definitely done. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, like I said before, I know lots of hunters that are, you know, some of the, I think some of the best in the world and all the, I don't think I know any of those hunters that are hugely successful that aren't that diligent about their process and what they're putting into it, um, you know, if the, your guys don't know who he is, or if you want to really get into somebody who knows their whitetail, I mean, we've got a bunch of them on the staff, but from that diligence diligence perspective, there's a guy on our staff named, um, Andy May. And that guy takes engineering paper with himself into the woods. I mean, he documents everything about every hunt that, you know, hmm. period. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's hugely beneficial. And, and like I said before, it's if people ask me like, what is the most common thing among these hunters that you work with, like the great hunters? Like, what what are they bringing to the table? And it's work ethic, work ethic, and diligence is the common thread. Um,
0: I could definitely see that. You know, and and again, I'm big into you know fitness and nutrition. It's funny because I I'm kind of going on this journey where you know I, a lot of other things have grown in the last couple of years. Um, but I'd say in the last probably year and a half, I've let nutrition not completely fall off, but it hasn't been in my priority. It hasn't been in, in my sights. And, and so I kind of hit a spot where I was like, okay, I need to, you know, if I'm going to be leading from the front, the way that I talk about, I need to dial my nutrition back in because nutrition is so important to hunting, longevity, being a dad, everything that I talk about. And so it's funny because over the last week, there's been some, my, my, you know, my, my body has basically told me, I don't want to make this change. You know, I don't want I don't want to go back there. Uh, but my mind and my heart say, yes, you need to go back there. Well, today I just had, you know, I got through some nasty stuff over the last week. And then um, today I hit just an amazing day, some goals that I had set for that first week. And uh, I'm like, wow, it's weird. You know, I blueprinted this thing, going back to blueprinting. I blueprinted this thing when I got to what I would consider my most fit in the last couple of years. And I just follow that blueprint again. And guess what? In a week, I'm hitting these goals that I've set. It's, it's crazy how that happens, but um, it is so key. And I think it's with any sport, any professional sport, whether that be hunting, baseball. You know, they say some of, I think they say baseball is like some of the most uh, superstitious people. Out there, they're so stuck in their ways of I need my shoe tied a certain way. Basketball players, football players, they all they all have their thing to be successful, and the the greats are the ones that have that blueprinted down to a T. And people from an outside might look at it like weird. You're weird for doing it this way, but they do it that way for a reason, right? So yeah, blueprinting definitely works in every aspect of life, but even more specifically here in hunting.
1: For sure, I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Awesome. So we we've talked about, you know, the journaling, the uh the Blue Force tracker, which I or the Blue Force feature, which I think is awesome, uh, because it is a little frustrating sometimes to have to send pins, you know, to every different person that you want to have the pin. Uh obviously the other person has to have the Spartan Forge app, but you're able to share that. And I think it's cool that you guys are gonna have that chat feature and things like that coming out here in the in the future. Uh, but with you know the AI feature and the Blue Force, uh, we're also talking about the LIDAR. So I guess talk to people a little bit about what LIDAR does um in in respects to hunting and scouting uh that would be beneficial to people because I haven't seen it in any of the other apps that I've used before.
1: Yeah, so LIDAR is just a fancy way of saying um light detection and ranging. So radar is radio detection and ranging. And basically all that what the simplified way of Well, you could think about it this way, you know, whether it's light, it's waveform in the form of radio magnet, radio magnet generated waveform, or it's your voice, whatever it is, um, it propagates through the air and when it encounters resistance, it comes back at you. So whether you're in a cave or a Canyon yelling, um, if you know the speed of sound, you can calculate how far away, whatever your voice bounced off of based on the speed of sound. It's the same with radar. Um, if the radio knows how quickly the pulse that is being shot out of the radar gun is traveling, then it can do some it, it can do some implied algebra and it can figure out how fast the object was traveling, so a cop can pull you over. Hmm. Um, with lidar, um, it's light detection and ranging, so it's using light to hit the ground, and light at the wavelength that it operates at penetrates canopy and it penetrates trees. And the only thing it, it bounces off of is the ground. So that light detection sensor, or that light propagation and detection sensor sends light out. The light comes back, penetrates off the ground. So when you're doing it, and even on a house, it penetrates the house. So the light goes out, um, hits the ground, comes back, and then it maps the area for you. And it, and it, the light um, penetrates trees, gets the ground, comes back at you um all the th- that um is hugely helpful especially well it's helpful in every i can i can give you a scenario where it's helpful for every type of hunter um i'll I'll, I'll put it in the in the um just in, for for purposes I'll just say whitetail um out in Pennsylvania or even out west anywhere they are when otherwise other other than times when they're extremely pressured if there was a timber cut in an area First, it will expose timber cuts, and it will expose anywhere where the ground has been leveled out. Um, but the, the devices, the, the, when they're clearing the paths to go in and out, um, when they're logging an area, all of those paths remain after that's done. Whitetails will pick up those paths and use them as travel corridors um, because they recognize that tra- whitetails are animals of transition. Um, and so I'm not sure if elk are, I don't think they are, I think they more herd up and kind of travel as herds, but whitetail will use transition, whether it's vegetative transition, ground transition, um, transition to as kind of like roadways. So when you understand the transition in the ground and you start to map these old logging trails, it's kind of like developing a road system for whitetails. So when you look at our LIDAR and you strip all the trees away, you're getting an understanding of the ground that you wouldn't have unless you wouldn't walked every square foot of that ground. So, um, the idea is not to replace the scouting, um, portion. It's to optimize the scouting portion. So under the guise of whitetails, um, wherever those paths, a lot of those types of paths lead together, you're generally going to have like a scrape in that area that animals are using to kind of play who's who in the zoo. And, um, But also, you know, elk will use paths of least resistance too. But then also with the LIDAR, you can actually see prevalent elk trails in areas where we have this one meter data. You can actually see the elk trails that are really carved. Like when you see one that's really carved into the side of a mountain. Um, But then also for the hunter, um, it, it, it can present you with ingress and egress routes that will be easier to get in and out of, even if you're not hunting whitetail. Just because now you know of an old logging trail that's present that you might not have known about on a huge mountainside somewhere unless you walk the whole mountainside. So it maps out areas that otherwise you would have to walk every square foot of, and it shows you things that things that no topo map, uh, or no matter how fine the um, the lines of um, demarcation, or, or no how how dense the um, topo lines are, or how good the imagery is. If somebody goes on our Spartan Forge Instagram, I actually take an area where I have five centimeter imagery, which means um, if there is a baseball on the ground, you can see the baseball in the imagery. It's the best imagery that's offered, period. Um, And we have about half the U.S. is covered in that imagery. Um, I had whitetails that were moving into a spot off of an adjacent property, and I just didn't have an understanding of why they always walked in the same way. But then the first hmm. time I went in there with LIDAR, because I couldn't scout that area, it was ev- I could see that there were two drainages that came down the area, moved south to north north to south, and that the whitetails were following those drainages before they emptied into my area. And I would never have known that unless I A, either had physical access to the property or B, um uh had that lidar layer. Like that's the, that's basically the only way that you would know those are there because there were such small drainages. They're maybe two feet across. Um but it illustrates those things um plainly. So um you know that that is that's LIDAR in a nutshell and how it gets used and what it gets used for.
0: Oh for sure. That's really cool. I'm I'm definitely gonna have to delve into that app layer. Um and and I guess To, Because there's so so many things that I want to talk to you about. We could talk for hours, but I really, a lot of my listeners are Western hunters, or even if they are Eastern guys, they're listening to my stuff because I'm out here, I'm out West. They're aiming to come out West eventually. What makes your app different from some of the other ones that are out there for the Western hunter? Why would it be more beneficial for them to have your app, because it has private layers, right? So you are still able to see public, private, etc. You You do still have that capability. So there's not just one or two apps out there that do that, but you've got that capability, which is huge in some areas where it's checkerboarded, really annoying, um, but knowing where you're at, public versus private is awesome. But also, uh, I guess, what are some other features that the Western Hunter is really going to be attracted to uh, using your app versus another one that might be out there.
1: Yeah. So there, there is a, um, a litany of things actually off the top of my head, but I mean, I guess the first one is that LIDAR thing that I've already talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, the second one is we are integrated, uh, Eastman's tag hub, which is like a Western, um, draw odds feature, um, into the application itself. So a lot of the other applications out there keep them separated or bifurcated where, Um, You're not actually able to examine the the fruits of your scouting and then and then drop on top of it, these layers and prediction systems and look at them in the same ecosystem. Hmm. So that 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 is something. And we're and we're fleshing that out. We're also making other prediction layers and that type of stuff um, that that um, is going to kind of simplify the way that you do that, but also increase your chances of drying in certain areas based on some heuristical data that we're deriving from the way that these things get done. And I would say those are like, that's probably, I mean, for now, those are the major things. Like we're obviously putting in all the hunt layers and all of the species, um, all of that um, type of overlap. Um, we all, obviously we have the five centimeter imagery that pro- I think covers something like 40% of the Western um, ecosystem. We're going to add that in the future, but also we, on our next update, we'll have seven years of historical data for all of the U.S. at one meter resolution. So when you start talking about finding out where there have been historical burns or logging that might influence movement, um, knowing that type of information before you get on the ground will be hugely valuable. But then lastly, something like Blue Force Tracker, um, whenever you're doing an elk hunt with a large group of people, or you're trying to de-conflict like a hunt space, or you're trying to pass those types of that scouting work that you've done in the past, or leading up to a hunt with a group of people, whether it's like a group of guys that you're elk hunting with or something else. Um, All of that gets shared very quickly. So kind of in the same vein of what I'm trying to do in the East, which we've just kind of, you know, we're starting to move West. um, That among other things, we're going to move into the future that I think will make for a really beneficial experience for anyone using the application, no matter where they are.
0: No, for sure. And uh, I guess walk me through, because another big feature of, um, you know, Western hunters are looking to be able to know their different units. Is that part of the tag hub, or is that something that might be coming down the line, like being able to swap from, uh, for example, right here in Utah, we've got the late season archery, and that's a specific unit that you can use um, your over-the-counter tag in as long as you've done the late season uh, education. Um, And then, of course, the different, you know, some some places have different areas for elk versus pronghorn versus uh, mule deer. And are you is that a feature that's currently in the app or something that might be coming down the line to be able to swap between those based on your uh, the tag that you're wanting?
1: Yes, you'll be able to do all of that. And and some of it, what you mentioned, you can already do in the system. Um, and you can get a 14 day trial of it to to kind of see how it works. Like the Eastman's take up ecosystem that's nested within the Spartan Forge app. Um, and, and and, and, yeah, we're, we're actually doing some really cool stuff that I'm reticent to talk about right now, but that will be coming out over the off season into next year. That's actually going to simplify a lot of that stuff that you just mentioned. So, um, the first state was to kind of get all of that research and stuff in there so that, um, we're that We can index the data in a way so we can manipulate it uh, for the hunter in, in a meaningful way. Again, getting all of the data and then a- isolating the variables and having the right questions. So from the product owner standpoint, I can reconfigure the information in a way that makes it easily understandable right, a pe- right away for people um, at the endpoint who are consuming the info. So, yeah, we, we're doing a lot there and it's going to get more and more interesting as we progress along. I think
0: for sure. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I guess those would be the biggest things that I personally use the mapping features for. Um, I'm still, I I'd still say I'm in the greeny phase of, uh, of, of hunting out West and Hunter in general. I'm still learning. There's a lot of things that I don't know. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that have good questions out there. And, you know, whenever this posts on, on YouTube and, uh, And for the audience, I'm definitely going to have people drop comments and, and ask questions based on what they, their experience, because there's people that have been hunting out here for decades and I'm nowhere near that. So, uh, but I think you've definitely touched on a lot of the main features of some other apps that you have and, uh, even have more capability in the Spartan Forge app. So, um, I guess last question on, on Spartan Forge, what, uh, what does Spartan Forge mean why that name? And, uh, and yeah, Uh, where'd that come from?
1: It's kind of nerdy and uh, cliche, but I'll, you asked, so I'll tell you, (laughs) um, in the military as an officer, we would do a lot of these things called staff rides where, um, essentially our general, the general officer that was in charge would take kind of like his officers that he worked directly with and would go somewhere and learn about something. Um, one of the places while I was in, stationed in Europe that was particularly um, interesting to me was we did a staff ride um, to, if you've seen the movie 300, um, we went to the area where the hot gates were, and we also went to Normandy. Um, and, but what we did was, you know, there were people that were doing these guides, and these guys would tell us about, you know, what happened here, and, and what why it's of historical importance, and... What symbolically and historically kind of symbolized and, 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 and essentially within as officers, we would break down the battle and say, you know, why was this? Why did this go this way? What can we learn from this? The important, the, the, the important thing was not to forget what someone had to learn with blood or treasure so that as we went into the future and, and, and prosecuted more combat operations on behalf of the U.S., that we weren't relearning things with blood or treasure that had already been learned. Mm -hmm. And one of them was the hot gates at Thermopylae where the Spartans, which were a highly disciplined military force, um, essentially had um, the greatest fighting force pound for pound in the world, but they were also one of the smallest. Um, And if you haven't read about Thermopylae, you know, I encourage people to go and read about it, but with essentially something along the lines of 13,000 people total, the numbers vary. Between 13 and 30,000 people, I think is what most historical accounts um, say, they held off a force of between 300,000 and 2 million. The numbers range again, and there are people who were there. But either way, they were heavily, heavily outnumbered. And uh, what they did was they used the terrain to their advantage. And um, through superior discipline and um, rigor and military prowess, They were able to hold off a superior fighting force that was better equipped and more out and outnumbered them for um, a long period of time. I don't know exactly. I want to say something like a week to 10 days or something like that by knowing the terrain that they were in. So that always stuck with me even before the movie. Well, it was right. It was actually shortly after the movie came out, but I hadn't seen it yet. Um, And I have an addictive personality. So I went through and Like I have a whole series of books over here and a lot of them are about military battles and um, whether it's Herodotus all the way up to Schwarzkopf um, learning these lessons and the Spartans stuck out to me from how they conducted their, how their society was erected all the way through how they prepared their fighting forces. And that, and then the term or the moniker Spartan just basically means simple and without, you know, there's no pomp and circumstance involved. If something is Spartan, then it is exactly what is needed and the amount of what is needed. And it, it that's what it is. Um, and so from a application perspective, Spartan Forge is the toolmaker for the Spartan, um, the person that provides the tools for the people that are living out that ethos. Um, so that is the genesis of Spartan Forge. And, um, and 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 also, you know, it's a serious business hunting. You're ending an animal's life. I think people forget that sometimes, um, but it's always forefront in my mind. And so the the UI, the user interface, and the user experience of the app, I think, reflects that seriousness. Um, you know, and 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 the company itself and our military origins. And I you know I try to hire veterans. And um, whenever possible, I don't go out of my way to do it. I'll always give them a shake. It's a whole different podcast. But I, I, I try to bring veterans in that are they're that similarly minded. And it's that ethos, which is um, you're not going to get a bunch of um, fly fishermen telling you why my multicolored app that's got all of this goofy BS in here is the thing that you need. Um, it's going to be, you know, the job for the tool for the job that gives you the most pertinent information that you need to go forth and, and 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 carry out this pastime that I love and that I pride myself on being a part of.
0: love it. That was a really good explanation. I don't think that's very nerdy at all. And if it is, it's along the lines of nerdiness that I think I I definitely like and uh, a lot of people out there that are in the outdoors enjoy. And so there's definitely a lot to, to be said about um, the fact that you, you tied in the fact that they use terrain to their benefit and, and that they knew these things because they knew the area so well, yeah. the Spartans yep. did. And so uh, yeah. you're just taking all these tools and helping people, which again, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is that you're trying to make it as simple. It's still not easy. e scouting's not easy. Scouting in general is not easy, but you're making it as simple as possible, combining all the tools into one spot so that people can uh, still spend time with their families be at home as much as as we want to be because a lot I feel like a lot of people especially since uh, the COVID shutdown yeah. happened. Um, people are at home more and they realize hey, I really like being around these, these people that I call family. Um, yeah. And and so being able to not not always being able to put boots on the ground um, is it can be detrimental. Uh, yeah. Because that's definitely the best way to go about doing it. But yeah, for sure, being as efficient as possible from home on a computer, uh, and using your past data is definitely something that is really helpful so for all those reasons i I definitely appreciate it. i'm looking forward to delving into the app a lot more and using it on this hunt that I've got here in November coming up um, and uh, and and hearing whatever else you guys have coming down the pike because it's it's definitely something that that uh, is new and again for those people out there listening if you've you're obviously hunters i, I would assume so if you're listening to my podcast um, you you have been trained on these other apps and it can be hard to untrain your mind to go look at this other app, Spartan forge, but I'm telling you it's worth it. And there's going to be plenty of tutorial videos coming out for new features that are coming. But also there's some good videos out right now on YouTube. Um, and I'll be doing my own breakdown of it as well. Breaking it down with my simple mind because Bill's got an amazing mind that's very technical and can break all this stuff down for you. Um, but I'm very simple and I'm just going to say, hey, this is what you click here. And this is what you click there. So, uh, But I, I definitely appreciate it, Bill. I appreciate you um, definitely highlighting the things that, that you're proud of. You can tell you're proud of your work. And again, that you're very detail oriented, uh, which speaks volumes. You're not just trying to put something out there, uh, to make money or to compete, but you generally want, you genuinely want people to get better at hunting and, uh, be able to spend as much time at home as possible as well. So I yeah. appreciate that, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for having me on and, uh, anyone can reach out on social and I, I, I interact with all the customers. So find me there at Spartan on Instagram. And, uh, thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, of course. Is there anything else you want to leave with the, uh, with the listeners before we head out? Uh,
1: I think I've blown enough hot air, but they can reach out <laughs> to me on Spartan Forge, and I'm happy I talk to everybody if they ask for me. Um, You'll be interacting with me, so I look forward to seeing them all there.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Bill, for your time. I really appreciate it. And guys listening, I'm going to leave all the links down below uh, where you can find Spartan Forge and get into this app and uh, definitely check it out because it's already awesome and it's just going to get better. So thanks again, Bill. You guys have Mm -hmm. an amazing day. And of course, like I always say, get out, live your life, and love it. Thank you. What an outstanding conversation, guys. I really enjoy speaking with Bill. He is just one of those guys – that you just want to hang around, you want to learn from, you want to soak up all the knowledge from him, but he's also not someone that comes off as a know-it-all. He just He's just one of those cool individuals that's seen and done a lot of things in his life and is wanting to impart that knowledge onto you and share with you so you can be a better elk hunter, a better deer hunter, a better person, and understand your surroundings wherever you're going when you're out in the wilderness. So go check out Spartan Forge, guys. I'm going to leave the links down below that we talked about in the show. Also, if you enjoyed this conversation, guys, please leave a review. It helps way more than you know. If you haven't yet, go check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a comment, share with other people, tag me in on Instagram, Facebook, wherever it is that you are sharing the show. I really appreciate it. We continue to grow. And as we head into the new year of 2024 and wrapping up 2023, I can't thank you enough for all your support. As we continue to grow, I just want to remind you to keep updated on the links in the show notes so that you can get the best deal possible on the gear that I recommend, the gear that I use, and the gear that I trust. It supports me. It supports the companies that partner with the show and, of course, my family as we continue to grow this podcast out and get the content to you that you want and that you're interested in. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much. Have a fantastic weekend. Make memories with your friends, family, and loved ones. And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.